Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. I want to invite you then to turn to the prophet Isaiah, chapter 40. The prophet Isaiah this morning, chapter 40. It's page 599 in the Black Bibles, page 712 in large print. And we're going to consider the first 11 verses together. So let's hear God's Word together again one last time. 2023, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry. And I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass. And all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Amen. Let's pray together. Loving Heavenly Father, this morning, above all the voices of the world around us, it is your voice we most want to hear. And so we pray, quiet our hearts, drown out all distractions, enable us to hear you. And as we hear you, so to fall at your feet afresh, for we ask it in your precious name. Amen. Can God be trusted? Can God be trusted? I want to show you in just a moment that that is the great question here in Isaiah chapter 40. But I want you just to sit with that question this morning and and to dwell in that question. I want you just to sit with it. Can God be trusted? Why? 
Now, for some of us this morning, that's a very strange question to ask, isn't it? Of course, of course God can be trusted. It's why we're here. It's why we're here every week. It's why we're here every year, year on year, week in, week out. It's what we do. It's what we believe. And we believe it with every single fiber of our being. Our hearts have been bursting this morning, bursting with joy to confess afresh, yes, God can be trusted. Others of us, well, the fact that we're here this morning only only tells half the story, doesn't it? Truth be told, we're not really sure anymore if God can be trusted. What has 2023 been like for you? It's all a blur, isn't it? Just stop for a moment and reflect. Can you go back month by month, back to January, February, March, April? Like I said, maybe this is the only quiet half hour you're going to get before a year ends to look back. Do I trust you, Lord, today? Do I trust you, Lord, after all that's happened in my life? How can I trust you? One, two, three, four, maybe five major life decisions that did not go my way. Here I am still single. Here I am still stuck in this marriage. Just look beyond ourselves this morning. Think of the landscape of the world that we live in. I woke this morning, clicked on BBC News, woke to the news of a wave of fresh airstrikes in Ukraine. Can you imagine it? We're, we're, We're numb to it, aren't we? the grief of bereavement, the mental health battle that just won't subside. Maybe it's the opposite, the the shimmering joy of youth and the, the seeming irrelevance of the Bible and walking with Jesus in 2024. Can God be trusted? Can God be trusted? Sinclair gave us Isaiah chapter 9, didn't he, all the way through December. And so I thought we'd stay in Isaiah this week and next week as a year ends and a new year begins. This morning, chapter 40, verses 1 to 11, there are three voices to listen to here. Three voices to listen to. Do you see them? Verse 3, a voice cries. Verse 6, a voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? And then the voice cries, all flesh is grass. And verse 9 Lift up your voice with strength, O Zion. Three voices speak this morning with confidence to you about why God can be trusted. So this morning, I want us simply to listen. I want you to finish this year with a promise ringing in your ears this morning, with a promise filling your heart. I want you to take hold of the promise this morning with both hands as you look back over this year, whatever this year has been like for you, I want you to listen to the sound of what God has said. And then next Sunday, I want us to begin 2024 with, not with sound, but with sight, the sight of who God is. Here's the first voice this morning. Number one, God can be trusted because of the glory of His coming. 
God can be trusted because of the glory of His coming. That's voice one. Can you hear it? Verse three, a voice cries, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. See, the, the greatest need in the world this morning as a year ends, the greatest need in the world is for God Himself to come and rescue us. Who else can save us? That was the need here in Isaiah's day. And friends, that is the need in our day. Thousands of years later, it has not changed. What else can save us? What are the answers we're going to give at the end of the year? Education, medicine, science, oil, New Year's resolutions. Now, do you see what Isaiah is saying here? The greatest strength and the greatest comfort, the joy for God's people is His personal presence with them, His personal rescue. And when that happens, verse 5, when He comes, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. You know, it's, it's true, isn't it, friends? There are some, some experiences in human life, some human experiences that we reach of such bleakness and despair that we feel all hope is lost. And some of us feel that today. I know you do. And Isaiah knew that over, over 100 years from the time that Isaiah was speaking, 100 years later, Isaiah knew that the Babylonians would roll into town. The Babylonians would come and the royal family in God's land would be taken away. The royal family destroyed. A siege starvation would set in. The people would eat human excrement. They would threaten to eat their own children. Isaiah knew God's people would be asking, how can this happen to us? Where is he? Can God be trusted? When the Babylonians roll into town, flatten your homeland, kill the royal family and deport the people, where is God? You know, January 1943 the last German plane that made it out of Stalingrad during that appalling battle, the appalling battle of Stalingrad. On that last German plane, there was a stack of letters from German soldiers. <clears throat> we are entirely alone. Without help from outside, Hitler has left us in the lurch. So this is what the end looks like. When Stalingrad has fallen, you will hear it and read it, and then you will know that I will not come back. That's what one of the letters said. This is what the end looks like. Friends, can God be trusted on the inside of what the end looks like? 7th of October, 2023 in Palestine. This very, this very morning today in Gaza. This is what the end looks like. Into that sort of situation, exactly that sort of situation, through Isaiah, God speaks to His people, verse 1, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her. 
This word comfort, verse 1, it, it, it means to cause to breathe again. Breathe new life into my people again, God is saying. It's, it's what the doctor does with the body on the ground when all hope seems to be lost. But with great skill and knowledge and care, the doctor bring, brings back from the dead to life again what seems to be gone forever. God speaks tenderly to Jerusalem. It means, it means literally he speaks to his people's heart. And look how he addresses them. Comfort, comfort my people. My people that will be sent into exile for their sin. See, somehow God is going to deal justly with all of that sin that will cause the Babylonian exile. See that little phrase at the end of verse 2? <clears throat> She has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. It, it doesn't mean that God is going to give the people double the punishment for their sins. Now, if you, if you take your order of service that you have like this, you'll see the way it's folded with the, the staple in it. And if you fold it like that, it creates a, it creates a doublet. The, the, the top bit matches the bottom bit perfectly. That, that's what God is saying about his, his people's sin. I am going to give you the perfect match for your sin. As big as your sin is, so great will be my remedy for your sin. It will match it completely. When God comes after us, friends, to find us and to get us in our captivity and in our shame and in our lostness in our sin and to bring us home, can you hear the kind of tone of voice that God is using? Can you see what he offers? He offers perfect forgiveness. He speaks words which go to our heart. Some of you will know Ernest Hemingway's short story is a lovely short story called The Capital of the World. And in the story, he says that Madrid is full of boys named Paco. There is a Madrid joke about a father who came to Madrid. He put an advert in the newspaper that said, Paco, meet me at Hotel Montana at noon on Tuesday. All is forgiven, Papa. And a squadron of the Civil Guard had to be called out to disperse the 800 young men who answered the advertisement. The, the longing for forgiveness, the, the longing to be right, Sons, daughters, mothers, fathers, people who are estranged from one another and estranged from God in the world. God is the one saying to us, nothing in this world can ever really be mended without forgiveness. Nothing can be mended without forgiveness. There is no real consolation from despair without it. And friends, this morning, there is no real knowledge of God without knowing the sweetness of his tender rescue. Here you sit, here you sit at the end of this year. Have you nailed it or blown it? What do you think at the end of this year best describes God's heart towards you? What best describes who he is towards you, who he is towards us sitting here this morning? Is God angry and wrathful and longing to pounce on our every mistake? How many, of us, how many of us inwardly recoiled at the idea of children writing Christmas lists on the 26th of December? 
such lavishness. Is God really like that towards us? John Calvin said, no one will ever reverence God unless he is confident that God is favorable towards him. It's true, isn't it? You might, you might obey the headmaster with his cane and his rule book, but do, do you love him for his frown? No, you don't. Friends, can you see what Isaiah is doing for us in these opening verses of this magnificent chapter? He's showing us that what we most need for our despair and for our depression and for our feelings of abandonment and for our lives of fading glory and for our sin, what we most need is God Himself. God Himself to come and rescue us. God will come, Isaiah says, verse 3, God will come. Friends, we can trust Him this morning to keep that promise because we've seen Him keep it, haven't we? What He promised to do here in Isaiah 40, He did in real space-time history, a voice of one calling in the desert. Do, Do those words ring a bell? I hope they rang a bell for you as we read them. What did John the Baptist say? prepare the way for the Lord, and Jesus came. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth, the one who when He died enthroned upon a cross said He was displaying to the world His Father's glory. Oh, friends, fathomless love, perfect justice, absolute goodness, undeserved mercy, You know, I I hope whatever Christmas is like for you year after year, I, I hope it is at least this to you. Whether you find Christmas joyful or depressing, Christmas is the assurance in history that God can be trusted because He came. The glory of His coming is real. Every year it's the same. Some of us just need to hear that whispered. We need to hear God whispering this morning, I kept my promise, I came. Some of us hear Him shouting, but it's the same voice, isn't it? Year after year, God says to us, look at the manger, I kept my promise. You can trust me, I kept my promise. You can trust me, I came. Here's the second thing, the second voice. This New Year's Eve, friends, God can be trusted because of the certainty of His Word. God can be trusted because of the certainty of His Word. Verse 6, a voice says, cry, and I said, what shall I cry? You see how it ends, verse 8, the Word of our God will stand forever. That the Word of God here in verse 8 is God's promise that He will rescue His people from Babylon from exile, that that's what the Word actually was. That that was the context of it, the content of it. And friends, let me tell you, that promise was very, very, very hard to believe. Very hard to believe, for Babylon was big. Babylon was powerful. Babylon was proud. You name it, Babylon had it. It had its Royal Mile. It had its Stock Exchange and Twin Towers and Grand Canyon. It had its Shard that reached up to the skies. It had its Ivy League and Oxbridge Universities. 
It had medicine. It had religion. It was awash with gods and idols. It had military might that stretched for miles. Babylon could conquer the whole earth before breakfast. Isaiah knows Babylon is going to roll into town and sweep aside little Judah, push it off the map, drop it off the end of the earth, crush it, deport its people. And now these people are being told that God will come to rescue them and bring them home. Really? Really? Who says? And so this second voice, verse 6, cries out here. A voice says, cry, and I said, what shall I cry? It's as if if that second voice in verse 6, that person is being told by God to cry out, and the person says back to God, God, the people have a point here. Babylon is big. Babylon is powerful. What what shall I cry? What, What will possibly help them in Babylon? What does God say next, second half of verse 6? God says, tell them this, Babylon is big. Babylon is glorious. Babylon is beautiful. Babylon is powerful. And tell them this, it will be here today and gone tomorrow. Babylon will soon be gone. See, these words in verse 6 are generally true, aren't they? They're true of all of us, all flesh. is grass. It's true of you and me this morning. But God is saying it is first of all true of Babylon. Boy, if Babylon was standing with its foot on your throat, if Babylon is squeezing the life out of your body, boy, you need to hear it as you lie there gasping for breath. What Isaiah is doing here is he's breathing new life back into you, if that's you, saying, take comfort and confidence from the certainty of God's promise. Babylon will certainly fall. All of this will pass. All of this will go. And only God's Word, only God's promise will remain. Friends, I don't know what human glory this morning, I don't know what human glory today you are tempted either to loathe or to love, what human glory you're tempted to fear. I don't know what human glory you're tempted to worship. Do you hear what Isaiah is saying? It will all, all pass. It will all pass. One day it will be gone And there will only be God's glory burning bright for an ageless eternity in a universe made new, in a world without end. Think about it. Here we sit together this morning. I've asked us to reflect on the year past. How quickly has the year gone? A blink and we're at the end. Here we sit, one little field of flowers what I see as I look out at you this morning, a field of flowers. You're beautiful. But what does verse 7 say? The grass withers, the flower fades. Can, Can I ask you if you feel your glory fading this morning? You, you probably don't if you're under 20, do you? Maybe if you're under 30, I think 20-year-olds in the gym are spectacular, aren't they? 
that the glory is on full display. And then there's my age group in the gym, desperately hanging on with your fingernails, trying, trying to reclaim it and hold on to it as it's fast disappearing. And then there's the 60-year-olds in the gym, putting us all to shame, working hard, keeping fit. But the glory is fading, isn't it? The glory is fading right in front of your very eyes. Where is your comfort? Where does your strength come from? From your pension? From your health? Or from God's eternal, unbreakable, ever-living Word, His promise? You know, many theologians today, many astute Christian commentators, I've heard many people say that the church today is in exile. After centuries of enjoying privileged, protected status in society, after centuries of that, the church is now being pushed to the margins increasingly. It's where we live, isn't it? A world intolerant of, of all religion or some religions, outdated beliefs on sexuality. You belong at the edges of society. Now, perhaps, maybe, it might be true. I, I think there's really probably a danger for every generation of believers to think that this day that we live in is particularly bad. Everybody tends to think that. But regardless, the point is this. Can we live at the margins? If that is where we find ourselves... But can we live there joyfully, tr trusting God with, with comfort in our hearts and strength in our souls because we believe the certainty of His promise? Oh, it does not matter where we live, at what, what particular point in, in history. Our song is the same, I trust His living Word. Do you know the Colin Buchanan song, Nations Rise and Nations Fall? but He wisely, wonderfully rules them all. Where is England's lion now? That the might of the British Empire that once spread throughout the earth, where is it now? Russia, Russia the bear will come and go. America's great eagle may yet fall to the ground but God's Word will stand forever. A glorious coming, a certain promise. Friends, one last voice to listen to. Number three as we close. Third voice, you can trust God for His perfect character. At the end of this year, take comfort from the completeness of God's character, His perfect character. The picture in verse 9 is that this glorious coming, this certain promise, the, the, the picture in verse 9 is it's so certain, it's so wonderful that God wants this out there. He wants it broadcast. Come on, you heralds, Isaiah says, verse 9. You, you evangelists, you preachers, you and your fellow prophets, Isaiah, who are preaching in Jerusalem, that you don't have microphones, so get up to a high place and blast it out. Get up on a high place and say to everyone so that everyone can hear you, here is your God. Here is your God. And so if you look at verses 10 and 11, 
And if you put verse 10, I want you to, want you to imagine verse, verse 10 in your left hand and verse 11 in your right hand, and I want you to put them together. What Isaiah is saying, if you put verse 10 and 11 together, is this God has got it all. This God has got it all. He has got everything you need. When you meet him, verse 10, you meet a strong king. He comes with might, his arm rules for him. And verse 11, when you meet him, you meet a tender shepherd. Isn't it wonderful? You notice how in both verses, the Lord's arm is at work, his arm rules. And yet in verse 11, the same arm, he gathers the lambs in his arm. Verse 10, he is bringing justice and recompense and punishment. And friends, if you do not think that you need that or our world needs that, then surely it is true that you have never experienced anything like exile. But now in verse 11, that same arm tends and gathers and carries. I I always remember when Prince William married Catherine Middleton, and and they left Westminster Abbey as husband and wife. What what did you see uh, pictorially displayed to us? He had his bride on his arm and his sword at his side. Bride on his arm and sword at his side. The same arm could nurture and shield and punish and rule. Friend, God's arm towards you is tender. His arm towards you is tender. But God's arm towards those who would harm you is mighty. You you cannot be comforted. You cannot be strengthened by a God who does not have strength. But isn't Isaiah saying this God is not strength without tenderness? He is strong to rescue, but He loves to be near. He's not a pansy. He's not a tyrant. He's not a wimp, but He is not a brute. And so, friends, do you know why you can trust Him on the threshold of a new year? I hope you can see it this morning coming off the pages of your Bible, this word of promise about a promised shepherd. It came true. It is real. It is as real as the chair you're sitting on this morning. These are not mere words without action. It's not poetry without substance. No, these are words with the substance of a person, the the shepherd king who loves his sheep and lays down his life for them. Do you remember the words of the Lord Jesus? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. He comes with might. His arm rules for him, and he comes to shepherd his people home. Oh, there is strength and comfort here. There is new life here beyond compare, isn't there? For look how God has already kept his promises. How many of us this morning could plot Babylon on a map? It is a real place, but it's no longer called Babylon. Do you know where it is? No, it's gone. Look how it has fallen. Look how all the glory around us will one day fall. When all was lost, friends, look who God sent to get us. Look who came. 
Oh, may we trust Him, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Trust Him with all that is past. Trust Him with all that is to come until we see Him, wonder of wonders, until we are like Him. Amen.